Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer-led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au. We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning journey together. We are knowing the boy, Barang, and Boom Barang, people of the Kuma Nation, as the tradition Kajasian of this land and waters of the place where we are recording this podcast and this sovereign had not been Jesus. We knowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay respect to the First Nations who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. Hello and welcome to a new episode of that chat um today's episode we will be chatting with the amazing the one the only manda lawrence yay (laughs) so would you like to introduce yourself and and give us a, a brief background sort of introduction of where you've been and what amazing things you've done over the past couple of years it will be brief i can assure you (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm just about to have my 10th anniversary of getting a brain injury. I was riding my bicycle, doing a training ride for uh, to do around the bay, and a car drove into my back wheel and I landed on my head. <laughs> if I had the sense to put my hands out first, I would have broken my collarbones. Ah, well. Yeah, that's the way it is. So, with with that, you also you you jumped on the VAT team or the VAT wagon, if yeah, you yeah. prefer, and undertook the training in two thousand and eighteen or nineteen. I can't remember when I did it, but yeah, my right. of my OT said to me, "I've just gotten this ad- advertisement to." for uh, Voice of the Table, and she said, I think you'd be really good at it. So I rang up to find out, and sure enough, I got in. (laughs) I I was sort of referred by Larissa, who I I know through art side of my life, 
And she said, oh, you'd be great at this. Come along. And same same sort of deal, really. <laughs> Just someone else thinking it, about someone else, which is always nice. Yeah, worked really well. Yeah. Actually, nearly now, all my volunteer jobs have been recommended to me. Oh, lovely. I had ages ago said to me, because I was a teacher before I had the accident for a million years, and she said to me, there's a group called Heads Together, and what happens, I've joined them for five or six years, we take children with a brain injury and all their family to camp for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I tell you, it is absolutely wonderful. So what sort of activities would they do on, on those camps? To some extent, it's like normal school camps. You know, there's a giant swing and, uh, you know, flying fox, stuff like that. The kids love it. But the best thing is all the volunteers take the kids, all the kids, brain injured or not brain injured, for all of Saturday afternoon so the parents get the afternoon off and they can all sit and the things they discuss and the things that they share with each other is fantastic. Yeah, that sort of respite and safe space creation is yeah. is vital, mm. um, not just for the person with the with the the disability, but for, for as you said, for the family as well. Exactly, and especially for parents with a child, it's absolutely vital that they get that it's opportunity. Yeah, that opportunity to to let out those little frustrations. Oh, yeah. And things like, you know, they a lot of them live in sort of the Geelong area and, you know, parents will say to other parents, do you have a really good physio or a psych? Oh, yes, they will share all that information. It's terrific. Yep. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Once you get people in a room, they're more likely to share than if they're just names on a screen. Exactly. It's... Yeah. Um, the good thing about Saturday afternoon, too, is we provide uh, a masseur so all the parents can have a massage. And the boys go, the fathers go to one building and the mothers go to another. We supply champagne for the mums and beer for the dads. What a <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little lubrication. Yeah, why not? You know, you don't have the kids to worry about. Why not? Yep. Just, They're yeah. not allowed to get drunk, but a few drinks, no, no, no. terrific. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of creating that sort of space for all them to share within. Yep. And uh, just lowering someone's inhibitions just a little bit is usually a good thing. Yep. And they are the best people. It's a real eye-opener in some regards. Sometimes kids with a brain injury can absolutely lose the plot. And being a teacher for a million years, um, it's a bit confronting when they do it. And I remember one time that the kids, this group had just spent um, a couple of hours making something out of cardboard boxes. And one of the girls absolutely lost the plot and tore it apart. And I thought, oh, shit, we are going to have a drama here. You know, and they're all like early teenagers. And I thought, yep. oh, no, 
no drummer at all. One of the kids without a brain injury said, don't worry, guys. We know what we're doing now. We'll be fine. And I thought, how different from schools? Schools, yeah. you know. So they And the kids that don't have a brain injury, they get to meet other kids with a brain injury, and it works really, really well. Yeah, it's amazing the, the levels of empathy a lot of those kids have. Yeah. Um, when they when it's their sibling that's that has an an injury or a disability in general, even uh, yes. the, the kids are usually the best at listening to them and helping them and and just being there for them. Yes. It'd be yeah. really good if everybody, you know, the mainstream could get this sort of experience. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh. Works so well. Yeah. If they yeah. all have an understanding of their own sibling, but yeah. they all work with all these other kids and they learn, you know, they just learn a little bit of reasonable behaviour. You know, do this, do this, do this, you'll be fine. That's what it comes down to, though, doesn't it? It's having that exposure, I think, is probably the best word for it. And within a really fun activity, yeah, terrific. Everybody's happy. Yep, exactly. You know, they all work together. Oh, it is terrific. You're listening to That Chat. So when, when those things are happening, what's your role as, as, an, as a 10-year veteran, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> I um, we work with the YMCA. A lot of volunteers are from them, and I think, oh, how wonderful are you! You've been working all week, and here you are on camp for the weekend. And then there's a group of us that have all got acquired brain injuries too. So we work with the family. We give the parents someone to talk to, to question or to you know find anything out, and to just always have a place for the kid with the brain injury to come and they can always come and ask us. Every family gets an ABI to work with them. I'm probably the oldest. Don't you start. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's interesting, uh, the concept of age in our community. Um, Tell me about it. Because... Uh, realistically, within our community, I'm a baby. I'm like four or five years into my post-brain injury. And uh. uh, so, and there are others who are younger than me and who are, who have had the brain injury much longer. And they're seen as that sort of uh, elder statesman, so to speak. <laughs> um, I can't think of the, the exact word I was looking for there. Yeah, the, so the age itself doesn't matter much in our community. You no, know. no, it's it, it, Yeah, it, it's more about the, the... The experience and the... The experience. And if, yeah. you, if you are able to develop good experiences and to learn ways to improve things, the trick is, from my point of view, share it. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. Best. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like I've been, I worked in disability for about 15 years before I actually acquired a disability. 
wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, when I first started, um, the people I worked with were very much that sharing is caring community. Uh, so I, that was sort of ingrained into me from, you know, right at the very start of my disability career. Hmm. Career. Do you get paid yeah. for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, I, I used to get paid properly for being an a, a administration manager in disability. Good for you. Um, yeah, so that sharing is caring sort of mentality was always there every day, every week. Yeah. There was examples well, of it. There I was examples of it. So Airport, uh, when they said you've you know, this is what's happened, you've got a severe acquired brain injury, it was like, oh shit. Because mainstream don't really know a great deal about brain injury. And so my immediate thought was, oh, I'm going to be a vegetable. And I think if people that have been through the experience can share with people that are new to it, hey, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be a vegetable. It's, you know, it's got challenges for sure, but we can work through these things. I think that's what people need. Yes, yeah. definitely. Those wonderful if we had... I don't know, a really a big star to be the front line. Definitely. I think um, that... It's thinking. I mean, it's hard enough as it is, you know, uh, just for general disabilities, you know, and like every... And then when you go into individual sort of categories, um, those stars tend to disappear a bit more, bit more and more. So within, say, the like the 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 tennis player, he's quite famous and winning all the big games and things like that in his wheelchair. But he's just in a wheelchair; he doesn't have no experience. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> but he's just in a wheelchair. He doesn't have that experience of having a brain injury, or he doesn't have that experience of having an intellectual disability. That's right. Um. So whilst his life is good because he's able to play a sport, those of us that aren't able to do those sort of things, we rely on each other a lot more. So there's less of a standout champion and it's more about the whole community. Yes. And I think uh, one of the really good things I've found, you know, within that is that mentality within like the, the ABI community, there is a lot of sharing and caring going on, and and picking up on your point, um, you know, creating some real strong peer supports and peer support networks is vital to to be able to get Absolutely. through it. Absolutely, but it would be really nice to have people have a better understanding of what's going on. Definitely, I think. Uh, we should all work towards that <laughs> as, as, as a community. And um, there are a few people who are gaining experience and, and stepping up and being leaders. And But it's more about recognising that you are a leader as well. Uh -huh. Personally, I 
shunned the idea of being a leader within the community because I saw myself as a baby in the community. <laughs> but I'm also but very vocal. you, Warren, you're not a baby. <laughs> but I'm also very vocal. I'm out there. I'm talking to people. I'm, you know, uh, meeting with councils. I've, if something doesn't feel right, I will speak up and say, that's not right. You shouldn't do it that way. And so all of a sudden I've become this leader within uh, the, like the greater Dandenong area where I live as a disability advocate, just in general, not just for ABI, but just in general. Hmm. And so I'm getting recognised for that sort of work that I'm doing. Good. And I think, you know, uh, as I say to a lot of our guests, I hear about what you're doing, <laughs> but I have to hear about it because I need to do that sort of extra research. So there's, you know, people like um, uh, Wade, he's out, I can't remember his last name, sorry. A wonderful young man out in um, Werribee Way, uh, doing some wonderful things with Jan uh, Yu, and I want to get to talk to him and, and see what that actually looks like from his point of view. And I hear about what you've done with Heads Together and Brain Injury Matters and yes. stepping up into those sort of and office era roles. Yeah. got another job, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I work with, uh, I'm on a steering committee with the voice of, the, no, the Office of the Public Advocate. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember some of those meetings that we had with them when they were trying to explain who they were and how we could use them. And it was all a bit confusing for me. We try to make it as easy as possible, just in yeah. case. But it yep. is fantastic. We are trying to get medical, you know, therapists, nurses, to give them a better understanding of dealing with people with a brain injury. Yes. And it's simply, don't put it into medical terms. Use plain English. Speak clearly. Speak with some respect for the person. Now, sometimes, you know, there's nothing more annoying, and a few people have said this to me, if, if you've got a carer with them or a family member or whatever, and people only speak to the carer or the, you know, Hey, I'm here. Ask me. I might even be able to answer you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, That's I, I was literally having that conversation with someone this morning. Uh, <laughs> um, just uh, they were asking about, you know, how do you remember things at the doctors? Because doctors speak fast and in, well, basically in jargon the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I take my support worker and they take notes for me. And I've spent the last year training them, training the doctor to ask me the questions and not the carer. <laughs> it takes that long. Like it's taken about a year for them to, for me to train a doctor to speak with me and not with the support worker. It's frightening, isn't it? It is. It just shows a total lack of respect. We've made a couple of training videos 
so that, and it's very clear, you know. We just treat us with a bit of respect. Don't speak over our heads. Yes. And, yeah, it's, to me, it's fairly basic, but it really worries me that our medical people don't get it. I think that's, it. You, you've said that word a couple of times now, the medical people, and, <laughs> and I think that's where this conversation is sort of circling. Um, doctors and nurses and therapists, um, especially, uh, you know, who have had a few years' experience now, are very much based in that medical model of disability care and not the social model of disability care, which looks at everything else around the person rather yeah. than, you know, inside the person. Until we can really get that across the medical professions, and, you know, I'm not going to single out any particular one of them, but, you know, just overall, because I think that's the big thing of the social, it's a, it's a holistic approach. It's mm. not just a little Very bit. Very much so. Mm. It's, it, it is a bit concerning that people that are in these roles seem to have no understanding. But, you know, yeah. we, step at a time, we try to make changes. Yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it. One when step at a time. One, one person a day. They are so powerful. They're very clear. Hopefully, people will just watch them and, oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah. We'll pop that link in the in the transcription for those listeners out there so you can have a look at the the videos. Um, I, I watched them, I probably last watched them about three months ago, but I watched them uh, last year as part of uh, the research I was doing for setting up the podcast. And they are very powerful, as, as you say, Amanda. Mm. But they, at the same time, they're quite simple. It's like we are a person, you know, treat us like a person. Exactly. Not, not a diagnosis, not a medication schedule. We are a person, first and foremost. You can find out more, voiceatthetable.com.au. I'm a big fan of being a self-advocate. But I'm also a big fan of being a disability advocate in general. I don't want to say it's my responsibility to do that, but there's a gap. I've seen that gap, so I've stepped into that gap. And I think a lot of our strongest voices, including yourself, have noticed that there are gaps and we step into those gaps and and speak our mind, speak for others at times, but always from our viewpoint, never from someone else's viewpoint. You know the saying that everybody uses, lived experience. Yes. You've been there, you've had a a bit of a go at things. So you've got some experience. And if you use it, I think, in any form of disability, if you use your strong points to help others, that's what you want to do. Of course. So some of your strong points, Amanda, what are some of the ones that, you want to share with us? <laughs> you won't believe this. I didn't. I went to my optometrist to get my glasses adjusted and there was a different person there. And we started chatting and she said to me, I am a project leader at 
a thing called VIEW, a Voice, Interest, Education for Women. It's a big group. They're everywhere, all over the country. And she yep. said, I'd love you to come and do a presentation. <laughs> An hour and a half of presentation. <laughs> bit tricky. But, no, it went all right. Wow. That, that is saying something. An hour and a half presentation? That's huge. <laughs> I, Thank goodness. I, 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 I do 10-minute presentations and I've had enough. <laughs> it, no, I was quite happy with it. Half of it was about brain injury and disability and the other half was about my four animals. <laughs> and, I, you know, I used to work at the zoo. I was a teacher. I don't know whether you're old enough. Do you remember Missouri? Yes. Yeah, uh, the, baby, the baby gorilla that was born at Melbourne Zoo. Yes. Yep. An IVF baby. And yep. I was invited him to come and meet her. She was gorgeous. She was only a little fellow when I met her. Yep. It's not a girl, it's a boy. And... The people that I was speaking to, because I had photos of her with me, and she was a delight. The keeper that was with her at the time said to me, she's got a little trick she's bound to do to you. Oh, yeah. Well, she did. Yep. You know, they've got a big flat nose. He did a wee on the floor, put his nose into it, and then put his hands up. Come give me a hug. Okay. <laughs> And then when he got close enough, he went, okay, bit of gorilla wee, who cares? Washes off. Yeah, just uh, that sort of shows you that um, animals have their own personalities. Do they ever? Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> I could imagine Missouri just going, ha, 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 got another one. <laughs> oh, he had a big smile on his face for sure. Ha, <laughs> ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you've had an absolutely amazing life so far, Amanda. I mean, working in the zoos, being a teacher, moving on to being a, a, a representative on the Office for Public Advocacy Steering Committee. Um, your, your amazing work with um, Heads Together. And, uh, and and the one I know about was the work you've done with Brain Injury Matters, where you um, became a member. And yeah, I'll let you tell the story. <laughs> but, but how you ended up being, a, uh, were you vice president or something? Yes. Yeah. When, I went, when I did the Voice of the Table training, uh, and came and joined the group and she said to me, I've got this group that's in the same building, Ross House. And she said to me, I think you'd be really good. So I thought, yeah, okay, why not? I'll give it a go. And I did. And yep. very quickly I was voted the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> very true. So, so was that before or after the ABI Wise app came out? I think it was after. But I think there's a couple of your tips in amongst the, the app tips. Probably. Probably. <laughs> and, but you were doing things with, um, with Brain Injury Matters that 
probably weren't done before. I think there was a bit of, um, as you were saying, Anne was there and and doing her bit, and Anne had a big part in setting up the podcast that we're talking on at the moment. <laughs> um, very much a driver behind the scenes, which is exactly what we need. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, someone someone to take care of the 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 T's and the I's that need dotting and crossing. <laughs> and there's a lot of them, believe me. Yes. Like, and that's why I know about your rise within Brain Injury Matters from being, you know, a, a VAC graduate that come along one day to being vice president very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there must be more to that story. I mean, you... Yeah, um, when you get people together with a similar injury, it's amazing the bond that is formed. I worked with um, Life Moves as well. We made uh, groups and we we had um, peer peers, other people that had AVIs. It's just amazing how quickly groups form a really tight bond. At the moment, I'm helping run a support group for the northern suburbs with, I think there's 12 people with brain injuries in it and we have become really good friends they're terrific i like to say they're dags yeah in the nicest possible way oh yeah no no uh dag was always a compliment in my when i grew up exactly these guys are they're not all guys guys and girls they and they're different ages different backgrounds different everything but they've all got a commonality. They're all ABIs. Yep. It's that commonality. I would so, say never put 12 or more um, people with an ABI in a room together if they're being silly. We tell the worst jokes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I have this uh, regular thing that I do almost every night, and part of it involves... Um, going on to YouTube to this one particular person's page because he just sits there and tells dad jokes. <laughs> I just sit there and laugh my head off the whole way through. They're horrible jokes. They're, they're pathetic. But they just mm-hmm. make me laugh and laugh and laugh. So it, it helps me relax. joke about ABI is a person with an ABI. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. This guy's just telling dad jokes. That's what he does. It's not about ABIs. It's about dad jokes. <laughs> I wonder you think he's terrible. Dad jokes are crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> but the, it just highlights, you know, uh, how my own sense of humour has changed. <laughs> you, know, you know, the dad jokes used to be cringeworthy to me, and now I just laugh and laugh and laugh and... No, the last thing is, without doubt, the best medicine you can get. Oh, definitely, definitely. And anyone can make you cry or sad. But if you find something, particularly with an ABI, if you find something that you can laugh at or you can appreciate, then do it because it just brightens your mood. Nothing about us without us. Welcome to Jut and Joke. 
why did the robber take a bar of dope with him to rob the bank? Well, he want to get a clean getaway. Thanks to all the VatChat team that contributed today, our producer and presenter, Warren Lorem, our audio director and composer, Dan Sullivan. Special thanks to Amanda Lawrence for telling her story. And of course, Justin O'Brien for Justin's joke. VatChat podcast is part of the Voice at the Table training. Voiceatthetable.com.au